welcome to Sip and Mitch, a podcast about booze, culture, and friendships. Serve neat. I'm Kath. I'm Renee. And I'm Diane. In this episode, we're talking about whether women drink too much, and do women judge women for drinking too much? And are there too many W's in that sentence for me to pronounce right? We're going to look at why women drink, the moralizing society does, especially when anything involves women. And finally, why do all the discussions around this issue seem to fall at the extremes? Can a girl just enjoy a drink in peace? And yes, we know we're drinking while talking about drinking. Let's just call it meta-drinking. So grab a glass and we'll be right back with our libations. And we're back. So, Kath, what are we drinking? Well, it's summer in Toronto. It's been hotter than Satan's taint outside for the past couple of weeks. So today I brought a selection of uh, Toronto and Austrian Rattlers. Nice. If you don't know, a Rattler is a mixture of beer, normally a Pilsner, and citrus juice or lemonade. And according to legend, the Rattler was invented in 1922 by Franz Kugler, a Munich innkeeper who serves thirsty cyclists arriving at his inn, a Rattlermas, or a cyclist leader, of Munich Pilsner mixed with lemon soda. Mm. It's one of my favorite drinks, uh, especially for summer. It goes well with house cleaning and getting off planes in a Berlin airport. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because the half beer, half citrus juice mix is really refreshing and you know it's it's the beer cuts the sweetness of the citrus the citrus cuts the heaviness and hoppiness of the pilsner and it's just a really pleasant taste on the tongue uh today we are drinking an ace hill rattler ace hill is a toronto craft brewer and their rattler is properly 50 percent beer 50 percent fruit juice although they put apple in their rattler of which i don't approve uh but this 473 milliliter serving is 2.5% alcohol by volume, which also makes it a really nice drink for, say, hot afternoons at the ballpark or while you're watching a soccer match because you can enjoy your drink or drinks over the course of a match without getting completely wasted. Nice, nice. So we're going to continue drinking our Rattlers while we discuss social drinking. We'll be right back. So, we're back. Why don't we start with the easiest question? Why do we drink? Wait, okay, before we talk about that, you know our podcast is called Sip and Bitch. Obviously, you're listening to it, and Sip and Bitch itself is an obvious call-out to the fact that we drink as we record this, sometimes to excess. (laughs) Sometimes? Occasionally. Okay. A little uh, bit. <laughs> the the fashion, the modest dressing episode where we had champagne cocktails, I oh. don't remember going home. That one did get messy. <laughs> what about the one, the bourbon one and the whiskey one? How was that one? Or was it just really the champagne cocktails that got messy? It may, be, may have just been the champagne cocktails. I'm not sure. I mean, I know with the bourbon episode, I was taking it steady because... I know my limits, and I play within them. <laughs> so, <laughs> now the the, the, the Boilermakers and Bad Men episode was fraught for many reasons. The yeah. amount we were drinking during it was not one of them. Yes, because also in that episode, we we actually faked a, 
<laughs> we faked a couple of beer openings and we dragged that beer. It wasn't a oh. faked beer opening at all. Well, no, we 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 faked it where it was in the podcast. We totally drank it that night. Oh yeah, but not not every time. I hate to tell our dear listeners, not every time you hear hear booze in the podcast, it's necessarily a drink we drank at that moment. Although mostly it is. Mostly it is. Mostly, yeah. Mostly. 95% of the time it is. Sometimes it's just sound effects because we have no budget. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want to give the short version of why we decided to call this podcast Sip and Bitch and well, make drinking such a inherent part of it? And I mean, we have talked about it sort of previously, yeah. but I mean, we can rehash it. Briefly. The podcast starts with our weekly or sometimes twice weekly, occasionally three or four times a weekly meetings at, at the Bloor Street Diner. You too. Not me. What? Not three or four times a week. <laughs> Unless my spirit has left me on occasion to come drink with you guys and I don't know about it. <laughs> I do feel that I've drunk with your spirit, but normally your body was also present. Not three or four times a week. <laughs> twice tops, usually once. Usually once. There were definitely... I got to put that pen down because I keep clicking it right by the microphone. Yeah. Um, There were definitely times where it was three times a week. Not that often. Not that often. But bad weeks. Bad weeks, yes. Bad bad weeks. Deadline weeks. uh, uh, Layoff weeks. uh, (laughs) Yeah, that was me. Job change weeks. Also me. Failure to change job weeks. Not me. Not me. That tends to be me. (laughs) I'm still doing this goddamn job. Um, Anyway, so the podcast started because we were sitting in the Bloor Street Diner, the late lamented Bloor Street Diner, uh, and Renee kept saying, you know, we should turn this into a podcast. And I kept saying, oh, sure, that'd be great. And Diane was like, "Mm, fine. No, actually, it was the reverse. I was the one that suggested we should start the podcast, and you two was like, hmm, great, fine. And I didn't hear anything for 18 months. Well, I was waiting for one of you guys to take the initiative, and then I'm like, okay, you know what? I got laid off again. We're doing this. No, but we can go into that later. Everybody remembers the story differently, and I don't remember it being me dragging my heels. I was this. This is like seven bitch um, Rashomon. Yeah. It's like seven bitch Rashomon. No, I actually, I enjoy enjoy Diane correcting our memories. Anyway. Our false accounts. Your your alcohol-stained memories. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, sipping bitch, we were at a bar. We would meet at the bar, often sitting at the bar itself. And we would talk about our day, which normally involved a great deal of bitching. Well, you know, the alternative would have been souses and louses. Yeah. <laughs> That's a name I hadn't heard. No, that new I didn't one bring on it me. Up. I didn't bring it up for reasons, obviously. <laughs> and also, sipping bitches and cutesy. That's true. I despise cutesy girl things. So, three years later, we're still doing it. Three years later, we're still doing it. Right now, can't imagine why. Hmm. <laughs> but it does. Okay. Last week, or in the last few weeks, uh, South African researchers released a huge survey study of smoking and drinking during pregnancy. And yeah, here's a here's a newsflash. Smoking and drinking during pregnancy isn't good for mothers or babies. That's not actually news. But it did unleash another, a couple more of these. Oh, my God, women. Why you drink so much? Why are you falling down? Why are you drinking? Oh, this is terrible. And it 
brought up um, a couple of articles that had, and, a, and a CBC documentary, God, which I hated, called Girls' Night Out from a couple of years ago, where they'd interviewed these teenage girls in the middle of frickin' nowhere. Uh, and apparently all these teenage girls do with their time is binge drink. And so, the, you know, and it was like, oh, this is terrible, and what are they doing? And no one says binge drinking is a good idea. I don't think binge drinking is a good idea. But, oh, my God, the confluence of, of gender policing and, and you know, boundary marking, like, this isn't feminine, this isn't what young women should be doing, and and the world is falling hand-wringing, on the one hand, kind of really overshadowed the message, which is binge drinking is stupid. No one should do it. University students do it a lot. It's not good for them or anyone, but it was all framed within this, oh no, the girls. Okay, but but here's my question. Are we actually drinking more? And I asked that because I obviously posted this question on my Facebook when we started thinking about it. And that was actually a question that was brought up. Whether a lot of my female friends who responded, you know, wondered if we were actually drinking more or if it was just being reported on more. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, like how much do you drink, Diane? Okay, so I mean, for me, it depends on the occasion and my state of mind. So I've had weeks where I just don't drink a single drop of alcohol whatsoever. And then I've had others where I've occasionally had a, like a glass of wine or maybe fixed a drink while at home, which is very rare for me, even though I have liquor at my house. And then there's this week, two days ago, I was over at my friend's house and I had somewhere in the neighborhood of three to four drinks that evening. So I'd say I definitely call myself a social drinker, but I wouldn't call myself a consistent drinker. Mm, What about you? Every time I go for my physical, the doctor asks, how much do you drink? And Mm -hmm. I say, well, what do you mean? They say, well, like, how many drinks do you have on average a week? I have no idea because, like Diane, I don't drink... I regularly drink irregularly. Mm -hmm. So, for example, last Friday, went out for drinks with the office after work, had a couple beers, went to the movies, came home, and I think I had another beer when I came home. So three drinks. But I hadn't drunk anything the rest of the week because actually quite often when it's as hot as it's been out, I don't, there's not a lot of alcohol. I mean, you know, you talk about gin and tonics or, or even Rattlers. They're pleasant, but mostly when it's as hot as it's been, I don't want any alcohol at all. So I've been drinking almost nothing but water in a desperate attempt to stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, on the weekend, there was a big family party. And at a family party, it's the kind of thing where everyone's like, come for one, the buffet will be put out at 1.30, and you start with a beer or a glass of wine, and you're still drinking at 6 o'clock. And, you know, no one is drunk, but also no one should be driving home. Yep. And how, you know, well, you've had, who knows? Well, all Three or four beers or a glass of wine, maybe, you know, if there's cake or champagne, almost everybody will have a glass of champagne. So I, I just don't find the way healthcare professionals in North America talk about drinking to be a useful way of judging whether the amount of drinking I'm doing is normal or abnormal, regardless of whether or not drinking is healthy at all. Well, I think I heard that you're supposed to have 21... 21 units a week. 20, I think. One? 
21 units a week by any standard makes you like grossly alcoholic in the the eyes of healthcare professionals. I heard for women it's more like five to seven units a week. week. Oh, I have no idea. So we'll research that. Do not quote me on this. But to answer the question I just asked is I don't drink when I'm by myself. Um, It can take me a week to finish a bottle of wine. Most of the time I don't finish it and it ends up in a pot or down the sink. Um, I outgrew the whole, you know, have a glass of wine at night by myself uh, for a couple of reasons. Alcoholism runs in my family. Um, And because I work at home and I am a writer, I just refuse to live that cliche of being (laughs) the single drunk writer at home. I don't know. It feels too much of a stereotype for me to deal in. So what I have found is I will drink when I am with friends. But I would say my whole drinking to excess, a.k.a. my 20s, that's been done. I don't do that anymore. Mm. So now that we've defined how much we drink... Well, if, if, if it helps, I could tell you that according to the National Health Service in the United Kingdom... Yeah. Um, uh, men and women are advised not to drink more than 14 units of alcohol a week on a regular basis and to spread your drinking over three or more days if you regularly drink as much as 14 units a week. But then when I get into it, mm-hmm. uh, the National Health Service has some weird things, like they would call a glass of wine 1.5 units of alcohol. So technically you're supposed to be drinking 8 to 10 glasses. Is that what they're saying? It's so like a glass a night? A glass a day keeps the doctor away? If you don't have an well, alcohol intolerance or an allergy. Yeah. yeah, but the National Health Service says 25 milliliters, which is uh, about... Three, three uh, glasses? No, no 25 sorry. milliliters. It's about 85%, 85 of, a, of yeah. an ounce of yeah. straight alcohol is only one unit of alcohol, but a pint of beer is two units of alcohol, whereas I would never consider a pint of beer more alcoholic than drinking straight liquor. Like, I always think drinking straight liquor is borderline alcoholic all on its own. Well. Like, if you're not having a glass of scotch as a digestive after a rather hearty meal, anyone, I've always had this strangely puritanical approach to to spirits, that if you start drinking spirits, you're straight on the road to degenerate alcoholism. All right, well, you know what? Degenerate right over here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, on that note... Kath will continue questioning the national health system, and we will be right back. And we're back. So during the break, I decided to actually look up what the uh, drinking guidelines are, according to Health Canada. And for the record, if you are interested, women should not have more than 10 drinks a week. And that's 15 drinks a week for men, and that will help reduce long-term health risks by, caused by drinking. Now, here's the interesting part. What constitutes a drink? Are you interested? I'm very interested. I can tell. All right, so if it's 5% alcohol, one drink is 350 milliliters or 12 ounces. If mm-hmm. your alcohol is 12%, so wine, champagne, you know, anything that comes in a narrow-necked bottle... Maybe some strong beer. I don't know. 150 milliliters or five ounces is a drink. So all those nine ounce glasses is like one and like one and I don't know, three quarters of a drink, almost two. 
So you might as well just tell them to give the, to give you 10 ounces and you get two drinks right there. And then if it is alcohol, like straight up alcohol, 40%, so you're mixing like a mofo, it's 40 milliliters or 1.5 ounces. So like a shot and a bit. That counts so as a drink. How come the shot, which will get me drunk far quicker than the beer, is considered one drink, but my pint is considered two drinks? Or well, a drink, yeah, a drink and three quarters. Hold on. There's an answer for that. I told you, I looked all of this up. I quote, a Canadian standard drink equals the amount of alcohol present in a typical retail container of regular strength beer, our country's most popular alcoholic drink. So everything is being measured against a beer. I have. I feel like this means there's going to be some future regime where all our units of volume are going to be determined by a standard Timmy's cup. No, no, no. We, we as a country don't like Timmy's anymore. It dropped out of the top 10 most popular brands. Didn't you not know that? It's like number 35 now. So we're not measuring it again. We're not measuring anything against Tim's anymore. Wow. Oh, yeah. You dock a couple of hundred workers, their health care, and suddenly people don't like your coffee anymore. I know. This is what happens when you peg yourself to Canadian values and you don't adhere to it. <laughs> but moving along, back to the subject. Moving along. Mo- moving away from socialism. <laughs> Back to alcohol. I would like to point out that this it is too hot in the summer to see, smash the state and seize the means of production, so that is definitely going to have to wait for fall. Fall socialism. <laughs> Can I be a couch socialist? I'm too hot for this right now. Oh, no, no, see, no that's, that's why we're doing it in the fall. That's why we don't smash the state until the fall. No one is socialist in, in, during a heat wave. No. We're all, we're all for capitalism and air conditioning. But what were you were saying? Yes, so... So now you know, you can have 10 beers, ladies, 10 beers a week. Oh, and you're supposed to occasionally have a couple days of, like, not drinking. So alternating Wednesdays? If you want. I'm sure I could manage that. Thursdays, maybe like a Monday evening. I feel that this goes back to my earlier point, which one of the problems we have when we try and talk about alcohol and drinking and how much is unhealthy is any can you can you actually say that any amount of drinking is healthy or safe or acceptable is that the healthcare profession does not talk about alcohol in a way that relates to anyone's use or understanding or drinking habits because let me tell you nearly 2 ounces of straight liquor I get drunk much faster drinking straight liquor than I do drinking beer. Well, that's why you can have a beer and only one and a half ounces of straight liquor. But after a beer, I don't feel the effect of alcohol the way I do after drinking straight liquor. Well, yeah, 5%, 40 Exactly. So how are those? How is a bottle of... I feel like we're getting sidetracked. We still want to know how a bottle of Molson's and a shot... Email Health Canada. You're already planning on emailing the NHS. Just email Health Canada. I'm sure they'll explain it to you. But I feel like this kind of talking about alcohol like this is one of the ways you get binge drinkers. Because people are like, oh, I can have two shots of vodka and it's just the same as drinking a bottle of Molson's. And no, it's not. (laughs) I am sorry, scientists. I don't care about your empirical research. I have anecdata. It's not the same. (laughs) Anyway, so apparently it's 10 drinks for women and 15 drinks 
for men so that you don't have, well, I suppose to reduce the long-term effects of alcohol. And that has recently in the past few months have become, has become a big thing because I mean, there have been studies that drinking during pregnancy leads to fetal alcohol syndrome, which is no good for anybody, especially the child. But then even more recently, um, there's this article in Mother Jones where the author speculates, well, the author says, you know, the headline is, did drinking give me breast cancer? And the subhead, and this was the May-June 2018 issue, if anybody's interested, the science on the link is clear, but the alcohol industry has worked hard to downplay it. Now, have the health risks caused me to stop drinking as much as I used to? I think so, a little bit. I mean, I'm getting older and, you know, getting shit-faced until you throw up's cute when you're 21 and in your first year of university. Okay, it's never cute. (laughs) Cut me off on that one. Yeah, it's never cute. But it's definitely not cute when you're like 45 years old and, you know, throwing up in an alleyway somewhere. Right. So, who knows? I mean, I'm not even sure where to take this, but... Well, what bothers me is that there is a very gendered conversation taking place Mm -hmm. because uh, now I'm going by Wikipedia so maybe we should throw the whole conversation into the sea (laughs) but certainly according to the article linked on Wikipedia drinking causes more than they say drinking causes more than 100,000 cases of breast cancer worldwide every year statistically 100,000 cases of breast cancer related to drinking in a population of 7 billion or even if you assume women are slightly less than that, 3.5 billion people, 100,000 women. And we can't even assume that the 100,000 people are all women because men get men, men get breasts. breast cancer too. Men have breasts. Um, that's, again, everything gives you cancer in the world we live in. And everything you could possibly get. Conditions like cirrhosis that... Typically, men get because men traditionally are more likely to become alcoholic, but you don't see the same sort of moral panic in conversations about the health impacts of drinking on men that you get with women. And if people really are concerned that women drink too much or that catching up to men in our rates of alcoholism is not a stretch goal that feminism should look into (laughs) we need to look at how we talk about drinking the cultural implications the social implications the implication is an addiction in a way that doesn't treat the conversation treat women as as you know fragile little butterflies Well-behaved ladies who keep their knees together and wear white gloves to church on Sundays. There is a huge, particularly in the West, there is a huge cultural tradition of binge drinking at university. Oxford University has clubs dedicated to nothing, to this day, clubs dedicated to nothing but going out, getting pissed, and tearing up Oxford Town, which... You know, these guys go and get drunk to the point of vomiting, running around Oxford University, and then go on to become English prime ministers. And these clubs have been around for hundreds of years. But when I see articles about binge drinking in the UK, 
the media art is always women at the side of the road, shoeless, being helped by bobbies. Mm. Is it just that men don't like it? I mean, no one should like it. I'm not trying to make an argument for binge drinking, but I do think that... The coverage is gendered? I think everything, every conversation about women in society is gendered, and it pisses me off. In fact, it makes me want to drink. (laughs) (laughs) Let's refill the drink then, okay? We'll be right back on this one. Um, so this brings us to the end of our episode. Um, anybody have anything else they want to add? Like, Diane, I know you had some thoughts. Well, I feel like you've covered them, but I mean, I could reiterate them here. So, I mean, we have sort of argued back and forth about women and drinking. It's a very hard thing. Like, we don't all have, like, definitive responses. And here's the thing. So not to diminish the very real health issues around alcohol, But the thing is, alcohol is just like any other addictive substance or stimulant like sugar and caffeine. And anyone who comes to me with this, you'll live longer if you drink coffee business, I will fight. I don't want to hear it. I am not a coffee drinker. I don't care. But too much of anything for anyone of any gender can have detrimental effects to your health, period. Plus, like Renee, I'm also at the point in my life where... If I have too much, I don't rally back as quickly as someone 15 years younger. Plus, it's no longer cute to find creative ways to deposit your vomit in locations so that people don't see it. So I'm personally taking the route of enjoying my alcohol responsibly. Mm. Um, I think my one issue, which I grapple with, because it's like, how do you grapple with it without coming across as a hypocrite? Because I drink. So, I mean, but, but my issue, and probably yours too, you know, is the current social and moral judgments towards women who feel or who choose to imbibe. And I agree that judgment on the flip side goes even for people who drink, who feel a way about people who don't drink, period. Um, Because this idea of drinking is in our society. It goes hand in hand with leisurely activities. And so that's just as great in our society as the idea that women who choose to drink, however much they choose to drink, is somehow scandalous. There's not specific context attached to it, which is my my problem. Yeah, I think... The one thing we haven't really touched on here until just now, and you brought it up, is is that there are people who choose not to drink or people who can't drink, who need to be sober to stay healthy mentally and physically. And they often feel sidelined or judged. You know, sobriety can be a very judgmental place. I know sober people who've been very judgmental about people who continue to partake of the various substances I know of of people who drink or I know people who also know people who are very fond of weed and that they're very judgy about teetotalers. So but I, I think that maybe what we have is basically that our society doesn't have a healthy relationship with alcohol mm-hmm. and we see that in the way people talk about alcohol and women because women are so very much the flashpoint for so many of our society's unhealthy relationships. But I, you know, you never, as a good host, I want people come to my house, I drink, I offer people drinks, but I also have to 
you know, remember and want to make people who don't drink feel comfortable. I have a, I have a friend who has more or less given up drinking for health reasons. And I just think that, that if we're not honest mm-hmm. about drinking or about using weed, you can't be responsible if you're not being honest. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to the happy sigh. Yeah. Happy sigh's not good. Let's be honest about the fact that, that I was in a place where due to stress and due to overwork, my relax, you know, holding a drink was the act that signified to my brain and my body that now I can relax. It was something that... I couldn't do at work, so if I was drinking, I was not at work, and therefore I was safe to sort of let it all out. Mm -hmm. That's not healthy. That's not responsible. That's not what alcohol is for. Right. Exactly. So I changed those behaviors. Yeah, and and I think, you know, what we were also getting at, and now it's coming to mind, but maybe, like, I think regardless of whatever gender you are, it's like, you got, as, as my friend's dad would say, you have to be your own liquor control board. <laughs> you just have to be responsible. It's just not fair, I mean, for women to be the ones that have to constantly watch themselves because they're supposed to be the nurturers and they're supposed to be responsible for everybody else's emotional and physical and whatever baggage. Like, everybody is responsible for themselves. You can't rely on somebody else to be responsible for you. However, if you are in trouble, it would be nice, you know, if there's somebody to help you. At the same token, but you shouldn't all be putting that on one gender and expecting them not to like drink every once in a while if they want to drink. Exactly. And to continue from what you said, one thing we haven't discussed is the safety risks for women in drinking, partly because too many people use that as an excuse to clutch their pearls when women drink. Yeah, I think so. So that wraps up this episode of Sip and Bitch. You can find us on Twitter at Sip underscore Bitch, on Facebook by typing in Pour a Glass of Wine, on SoundCloud and iTunes, and we're now on Stitcher. If you like us, leave us a review as it does help us immensely. And if you're like me and use an Android phone, you can listen to our episodes via the Player FM app, available through Google Play. Or you can go to player.fm forward slash series forward slash sip dash bitch. I'm Kath. I'm Diane. I'm Renee. (laughs) (laughs) You want to do that again? Yeah. I'm Kath. I'm Renee. And I'm Diane. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.